Yo, what's up? Welcome in. This is the preview show, Notre Dame versus Virginia Tech, coming up tonight from Lane Stadium. And to Sandman, we'll be blasting, and we'll have to see if Notre Dame can respond from last week's loss at the hands of Cincinnati in South Bend. This is the Lucky Lefty Podcast. I am Sean Davis at SD2 Mics. That guy over there. The original lucky lefty himself, Malik Zaire at overtime. Malik, Malik, two teams are getting ready to face off tonight, prime time. And, uh, you know, the gif or jif, however you say it, with both Spider-Man pointing at each other. Yeah. That's that's tonight's game. <laughs> that, that's, that's tonight's game, man. Uh, Virginia Tech comes in woeful along the offensive line where we heard that before. Yeah. Pretty much all of college football. All of college football except yeah. Alabama. The Braxton Burmeister, they do have a quarterback that they've settled on in Braxton Burmeister. Mm -hmm. They have talent at the wide receiver position. Trey Turner is going to be one of the guys you have to watch out for tonight. Very explosive playmaker for them. Tavion Robinson as well. Yeah, I like TV The the running game just solid. because of the offensive line, it hasn't been productive. Yeah. But yeah, but that defense is able to commit turnovers, turn the ball over, get the ball back to that offense on a short field, and and from there they're able to win football games. Justin Fuente, Justin Fuente is not going to beat himself. Yeah, no way. And that's that's the trademark of this team this year. We're not going to beat ourselves. We're going to take you into the deep waters, get you into the fourth quarter. That's what they did to North Carolina in the initial game. They fr frustrated Sam Howell, got him to the fourth quarter, and they just didn't have enough to come back and win. So Virginia Tech wants to jump out in front, allow that crowd to get into the game. And with the offensive troubles that we have, this, this might be the most raucous, Role game that Notre Dame has all year. Yeah, no, I agree. And I and I really think that you know this is this is this is what we need for a game to bounce back from a last week situation at home. We're not really used to losing at home, so I know that's going to inspire Coach Kelly. You know, Coach Kelly going to be in there. He's going to try to. Uh, talk to those guys, especially this week, on challenging themselves, on handling, you know, the tough environment. We're going to have to go on a, a, a silent count this week. And with a young offensive line, hopefully we get off the ball together. You know what I'm saying? We got to we gotta make sure we're uh, executing, if anything. So starting fast for us is very important. I know Virginia Tech wants to play from a lead and let their, their crowd play as that extra defender. But, you know, for Jack, in order to stay ahead of the chains and not play behind the sticks, because that, that can get the crowd going, but also being able to execute on third down is going to be our biggest thing because that's when it gets the loudest. That's where we are. We're lacking some efficiency on, on offense. <clears throat> so our third down is going to be crucial in getting and executing the snap count on the silent count or whatever we're doing this week. It's going to be crucial for offense defensively. 14 is going to be able to stop a lot for this offense. And, you know, I think defensive line is going to come into play and make some early stops for us. And, and it's going to put us in some good field position. So mm -hmm. for us to execute in the red zone and for us to make some turnovers on their side of the ball, I think it'll be a recipe for success for us this week. Uh, just the environment plays a huge factor. It probably plays a huge factor in Vegas too, but – um, I think it'll be a good game for us to bounce back. Yeah, no matter where you go, it's varying degrees as far as the money line and definitely as far as the spread. Uh, most places have Notre Dame as a one-point favorite. Yeah. A lot of places have – basically the game is a pick them. Jeez. Because yeah. at home we would be like a plus three at least, I think. Plus three, plus three and a half, something like that. Mm -hmm. They would go to half and there just to kind of make it a, a tougher sell. You know what? I have to step back and be objective, right? Oh, shit. 
You know, because you know the, the slant you talked about on the slant. Uh, we're not going to find out who the starting quarterback is until they jog on the field for that first series. Brian Kelly said in his press conference on Thursday that he feels like Virginia Tech has seen film on all three quarterbacks and they're going to prepare for all three quarterbacks. No, they're not. No, they're not. <laughs> no, they're not. Let's get Virginia Tech is not preparing for Tyler Buckner. No, no way in the world any team in college football. No, they might be prepared for a package or a play for Tyler Buckner, but they're Tyler Buckner isn't starting this game. I think the Hokies and that's even if he does, yeah, even if he does, he's not running nothing outside of what he's already ran. Yeah, I'm not expecting him to see on a away game, Virginia yeah. Tech, crazy crowd, him throwing some deep posts and some deep outs and stuff. I don't, I don't see it. So let's get right to it. Each and every week, we ask you, what's the clean sheet? That clean sheet is. What the offensive coordinator has going into the game before he makes any adjustment, any adjustments, or he puts any red marks or black marks on it to change what's on that sheet going into the game. With everything you just said, crowd noise, silent count, not knowing who the quarterback is going to be. What's the clean sheet that Tommy Reese is coming into this game with? I think for Tommy, he's definitely just got to keep it simple. In a game like this with the offensive line trying to figure out their identity and what they want to be really great at, the best thing you can do is be simple and put the ball in your playmaker's hands. Michael Mayer got to have over 10 catches. Kyron has to run the ball over, what, 10, 12 times? If those two get those type of touches, I think everybody else would do well off of that. But those touches also have to be impactful in the game. It can't be plus one or a five-yard catch. They have to be impactful plays. Yeah. I think we'll see a few more screens, maybe hopefully a tight end screen in there, yeah. considering their defensive line is always pretty aggressive at home. And I know every team is scheming to get after Jack. So hopefully Tommy lessens some of that decision-making that Jack has to have, and he just allows him to get the ball out fast and let our guys play. I mean, I haven't really seen Kevin Austin this season in the underneath game. I think that his size – It'd be nice to see him on a couple drag routes, a couple uh, quick five and ins, five and outs, just to give some variety. I think teams have got so accustomed to playing him over the top, and he's gotten so many one-on-ones, but I think he's such more of an athlete. I, I think he's a, a better athlete than like a Coy Robinson, where that was his one job to just catch these jump balls. I think for, for Kevin Austin, he can work in space. I think Wisconsin, when he caught that touchdown over the middle, from Drew Pine, I think that's just something similar. He can play in space. Him and Michael Mayer in the middle, I think, is a good switch. And maybe put Avery Davis on the outside. Let him have some more speed on those go balls where, you know, they're just kind of throwing it up to him. So I think getting Avery involved is crucial. But Michael Mayer and Kyron got to win this game for you. It's kind of like chess as an offensive coordinator. You have the pieces, but you do yourself a disservice when you put the pieces in the same spot. Yeah, all the time over and over again. So inverting the offense, putting Kevin Austin and Michael Mayer inside, making the defense adjust to that, and now you have your quick and your speed guy on the outside. Like how does how does the defense combat that? Because you can't double both Austin and Mayer, right? Over the and, middle, and for a quarterback who doesn't have a strong strong arm to get you know cross field throws or down the field throws like that, yeah. Having those two guys kind of just being mismatches against linebackers and safeties because they're both big yeah. and they're both fast, that's something that we can really look for uh, when those third down one-on-one situations, I always call it KYP, know your personnel. If I'm Jack Cohen, I'm going personnel. This is a personnel matchup and because you know they're going to play this man. You know they're going to be aggressive. I think we can take some shots. And one of the things you know coming from that defense as we look at the matchup of the Notre Dame offense and the Hokies defense, historically, and nothing has changed, very fast linebackers. Yeah. Light the pan, very fast, aggressive, downhill, and the defensive backfield is always really good at Virginia Tech. Look for them to mix up coverages. But look for them to be very comfortable playing man-to-man. And we've seen Kevin Olsen struggle with getting off bump and run. And hopefully he responds the same way he responded to that Toledo game mm-hmm. when he came back versus Wisconsin. 
Hopefully he responds the same way tonight, you know, coming off of that Cincinnati game, which was another disappointing outing for him. And that got to come through the play calling. Got to help our guy out. You know, hmm. if, our, if he's going – every time we see Kevin Austin, he's running one-on-one down the field. He doesn't have great separation. So give him a chance to maybe run some screens, have him some quick screens on the outside. He's a big dude. So outside of him being able to jump with anybody on those one-on-one balls, he's going to be a hard guy to bring down, you know, if you give him some space to kind of work. Brady Lindsay the same way. Maybe we try some fly sweeps, some some reverses, you know, something to get the ball in his hand other than just depending on the connection of us throwing it down the field. I think that's the next step in this offense is finding gimmick ways to just get the ball to our guys and play in space. It'll take the pressure off the O-line and Jack from having to read progression after progression. I think that wears on him because if he's not – really, if he's not – 10 for 10, 8 for 10 on these progressions. They're pulling them and claiming that they need to spark the offense with something. So it's really uh, <laughs> it's really an interesting dynamic because, yeah. you know, when you've got a, a quarterback that can, can do enough not to completely bomb you out of the game, but not enough to win, you got to find ways to get, you know, the other guys involved and, and try to find a change of a direction with the tempo of your offense, not so much – of you got to run everything, hurry up. But, you know, maybe it's something where if we hit a big play, we have a play that we go to right after, you know, something to keep them off guard and off balance because if they're locking in, just like any defense this year, that got a chance to lock in against us. Yeah. They've been putting our offense in some three and outs and some tough spots. So we've heard about the unfairness of all of the vitriol that Jeff Quinn has received. That's what Brian Kelly said this week. <laughs> Everything that's being said by Jeff Quinn is unfair. We've been teaching technique since the spring. That was like one of the funniest comments that Brian Kelly made this week in his press conference. Like, really? So I've never, I've actually never heard him take a coach or a player's back in an interview where he's like, it's just unfair. It usually hits us with, you know, well, we just got to get better. But right. you know, you know he's defending him because he made the choice to put him there, you know. So this is just covering your tracks. Obviously, you don't want to throw your guys that you bring in under the bus. But, you know, it deserves a lot of blame considering that it hasn't been that long since we had linemen with great technique. And and so there's still some residue, uh, you know, from the previous coach. And I know they, those guys talk, so there has to yeah. be – a drastic difference in in technique and coaching if it looks completely different from one year to the other. As I said before, their top running back is only averaging 40 yards per game. That's Jalen <laughs> Houston. So, I mean, like I said, it is the gif of two Spider-Men standing there pointing at each other in this matchup tonight. Yeah. Once again, whoever makes the big mistake is going to get the jump in this game is going to have the advantage of holding on because both defenses are pretty solid. And like you said, the atmosphere is going to be bananas. Yeah, and I just – I don't think we're a team that's going to 40-point ball teams out of games. I don't think we're a team that's going to – even if we were the clear better team than Virginia Tech and we yeah. have the ability, even in this game, I don't think we would – if we want, if we could put up – 40 points and make it a 40 to 7 type of game. So I know this game is going to be close. It might even come down to the last possession because we're so similar teams and because, you know, the quarterback situation is so unstable. It'll be interesting to see who starts fast and who finishes stronger. <laughs> I'm interested in seeing that we talked about this offline. And it was funny, right? Because I looked at the schedule and Virginia Tech has hopes of winning the ACC championship and making it to the championship game. So they're playing Notre Dame, and everybody gets up for Notre Dame. Everybody. It's a big game on the schedule. Yeah. Could it be possible that Notre Dame could be Virginia Tech's trap game? And what I mean by that, yeah. Yeah, you the most that. important thing for Virginia Tech is the ACC championship. Yeah. Notre Dame has absolutely nothing to do with, it, with that. However, next week's game at home against Pittsburgh mm -hmm. is vitally important to their hopes of winning an ACC championship. As yeah. big as this game is, 
with Notre Dame coming in. For their goals and what they want to get done, of course they want to win both games, but the Pittsburgh game was probably more important for their goals of winning the ACC championship. So that's funny just to think about it. Like, man, could Notre Dame actually be a trap game for the Virginia Tech? Yeah, I think I think it's a trap game for both teams. I think it's a trap game for Notre Dame because this game will determine if we start to slide a little bit considering mm-hmm. the teams that we have in the ACC that's coming up next week. You know, you got UNC down the road. You got uh, Pittsburgh. You got all these ACC teams scheduled that are all pretty much the same. You're coming off of a loss. Yeah. You're going to a tough environment. It would be terrible to follow that up with another bad performance in the loss because it's going to predict a slide that I don't think we are ready to, to recoup from because we haven't been on a slide like that. Yeah. It's a tra- it could be a trap game for us considering that we should win. <laughs> but looking at last week's film, it looks like this game is going to be a tough one too. So a potential trap game for us. And for them, you know, we have no stake in the ACC championship ever since we won it. One and done, we're good. Right. <laughs> so. Good. But Virginia Tech, they want it. They feel like they have a chance because Clemson's not that great this year. So it's a pretty even ACC conference. Yeah. Virginia Tech wants to make a statement by winning this game at home against a team that went there last year. And so for us, I mean, for Virginia Tech, it could be a trap game because they can see it as well. You know, Notre Dame's on a slide. They got three quarterbacks they're playing, and we're at home. It's a big advantage, so they might they might take us a little too lightly. Hopefully they do. Once again, matchup, Lane Stadium tonight under the lights. Under the lights. You, you were very clear on the slant earlier this week that you feel like when the office goes out, jogs on the field for this first series, that Jack Cone should be the quarterback. Since that time, thinking about it, have you changed your stance or are you still – settled in with Jack Cone just kind of being the guy the rest of the season? I just think he should be the guy for the rest of the season. I don't think there's a huge benefit by playing Drew Pine over Jack. I think you kind of get some of the similar production. And then for Tyler Buckner, I think the experiment is just expired. It just is too much that you put uh, on a herky-jerk kind of makeshift type of uh, program for him to run when he's out there and the type of offense for him to run. It looks complicated for Tommy to really get a streamline of just consistent back-to-back drives with him because they just pop him in there. And this is just not a game for him to be trying things out with with two, three-quarterback system. I think you got to just be very straightforward. I mean, Jack is clearly first game as a Notre Dame quarterback in a tough environment in Florida State. He handled it very well like a mature guy does. So it'll be absolutely important for Jack to have that confidence going into another hostile environment because at this point the team needs to rally around a leadership and a seniority to kind of guide them through these troubled waters that we're going to. You know, I understand the clamoring for Drew Pine. I really <laughs> do. I, and, but I was watching Arizona State and Stanford last night, and this is one thing that I do miss when it comes to Ian Book. Just someone that can off script just make things happen. Yeah. Getting out of the pocket, third down, hitting somebody, hit a wide receiver scrambling, hit a running back out of the backfield, run for the first down, that type of playmaking ability, which is why I think Brian Kelly and Tommy Reese really want to give Tyler Buckner a chance. Yeah, it's just weird though that we haven't we haven't put a priority on having a guy like that follow up right after to go from an Ian to a Jack, two totally different style of recruiting and quarterbacks. Well, we talked about the shift and without getting deep into it, you can go watch us discuss this on the slant yeah. two weeks ago on our YouTube channel, go and subscribe right now. Lucky lefty uh, podcast, YouTube channel, all of our great content is there. We talked about that. It seems like after Ev, you, and Deshaun, there was a shift in the type of quarterbacks that were coming into the Notre, Notre Dame quarterback room. And I'm confused as well. You know, when they announced that Jack Cohn was the guy they were going after to recruit, 
that's like diametrically going the opposite way. I mean, yeah. we, we had that spell of a you know your Dane Chris, your your Tommy Reese, your uh, uh, Hendrix. Yeah, and and we saw what that got us. You know, it wasn't until we you know put a little more flavor on the importance of uh, playmaking at the quarterback position, and that's when you start to see our teams like when I came in and we started to have those ten win really kick off that ten win. Ev was yeah. a a big proponent of the 2012 season, just giving a different dynamic. Now, if Notre Dame had a Tommy and an Ev, I think that'll be a, a better system than a Jack and a Tyler Buckner. I don't think those two are, com- are comparable to how drastically, but a good drastic difference an Ev and a Tommy are. You know, I think Ev had a huge arm. You know, and and Coach Kelly knew day one Ev had a huge arm, so that's a good contrast from an Ev to a Tommy, as opposed to Jack and Tyler. Tyler's just so young; he can go in any direction on what he's really good at. You playing around with them, throwing in here and there, you don't get a full picture, and then you got Jack, who you know what you're getting. So, I don't think they're the same as what an Ev Tommy combo is. Yeah. It feels like we're going backwards at that position with recruiting because at this day, I don't every quarterback that's top quarterback is damn near a playmaker. So for us to have a non-playmaker, it's just interesting considering I thought we was trying to win championships. Yeah, we've been asking for creativity from Tommy Reeves and his play calling for like the last three games. Hopefully we start to see some form of that tonight. You know you're gonna have aggressive. Linebackers coming downhill, you know, we get and stunt up front and try to be disruptive in your backfield. You know, you have a struggling offensive line, as you said. There's nothing wrong with, and this is what I miss. Just I was able to watch Jalen, the quarterback for Arizona State. Jalen was, uh, oh, Daniels. Jake, yes, Jaden Daniels, and literally just take a look out to his receiver to the left. This is not the play, but I see the no, guy no. Like seven yards off of you. I'm just going to throw it to you. Do your thing. Yeah, that's, like, that's we, we never see anything like that. Because we're so busy telling Kevin Austin to go deep, and, and it just looks bad because we don't have an arm to just be telling guys to just run deep. Yeah. And I think each week we try to show it, it is too much of a hit or miss to where we're either going to underthrow it or not throw it far enough. There's not a lot of 50-50s as much as I thought we would see after Florida State. I said, oh, we got the 50-50 game down. But then as time grows, teams start to be like, well, if we let them get past 22 yards, it's it's less than 50-50. I think we got a good chance of defending. <laughs> so, so teams caught on quick, you know, and then considering, like I always said earlier, like Florida State wasn't a ranked team, you know, when we were doing all this. So it wasn't like we were doing all this against an impressive defense. Yeah. We're doing this against a team that's average, but, you know, we were able to make plays. Now we're playing teams that are decently better than average. Yeah. So those 50-50 balls are like 25-75, you know. And so for us, those things, like you said, just check out the line, just throw the screen out, are things that you would expect a fifth-year guy to be able to do. Because if not, I'm putting Tyler in. Right. It looks like the same guy, you know. And then at least I know Tyler – can run around a little bit. I think the emphasis has been for to throw Tyler out there and see how he can swim and not say, okay, we're going to develop something for you to really execute down the field. Because now in his head, he's probably thinking like, man, they throw me in there and saying, just go make a play. That's not quarterbacking. That's why you get people saying we don't develop our guys. Those first two years are just, you know, you might as well be Taysom Hill. It's crazy. You you coach. I remember something my grandfather told me a long time ago. He would tell me how to do something. And he said, look, I know you have a better way. Yeah. I already know it. I already know it. I already know you have a better way. While I'm explaining to you how to do this, I already know you have a better way. Yeah. Trust me. Do it the way I'm telling you to do it. <laughs> and that's how you feel about this offensive line in Notre Dame. Like, if you're teaching them technique, you're telling them the way to do it. But obviously they feel like they have a better way because they're not listening. 
and that's the and that's the, the the key of observation you have to observe when you're watching teams play, and that especially if the coach is making it known we're teaching a certain way. Yeah, you're throwing the players under the bus. You're throwing the play because they're clearly not believing in what you're doing to yeah. be doing completely opposite. And I I can speak to that looking at my own team is that you know when we get down a certain amount of points, they're like, look, I know the play, but I'm gonna just go a little deeper this time. I'm going to just, you know, run something I think is open because I see it in the moment this time. And those type of things are like, look, you got to stick to the game plan because if we start freestyling, <clears throat> right? It just, it just will never be in sync enough to win the game. And we're not good enough to freestyle, bro. Oh, no, absolutely no. not. Absolutely. No. Our freestyling is sacks and penalties and stuff right now. So for us, freestyling is out the window. We don't got the guys for it. Now that's where it comes to the coaching. You talk about technique. Maybe the technique can be it can be switched up. It's early enough. Yeah, it's early enough to adjust your technique because right now all that spring you you already exposed it was it shouldn't have been that much time that you spent on that for us to look like that. So I would have said, look, we try some new things and it didn't work out. We'll try something else. You exposing your coach that he's like, look, and for you to stick with the technique to this, yeah, yeah. talking about it. Yeah, you know, stuff. if they can't get pushed, if your offensive line can't get pushed man to man, then maybe you need to go more to a zone block. Yeah, and that's okay. And, and that's, that's cool. Because we were zone blocking when we were good. I mean, when we had our offensive line that was, you know, the Hall of Fame offensive line that we got going down in history, but zone blocking was there. I think, you know, we got so caught up in being dominant that we're like, you know what? We can just line up and just beat them up. <laughs> and that's going to be the standard. That's going to be the standard. Yeah, right? and as a coach, you have to be able to adjust to what you have. What you got. If and if you have young guys that haven't been in the weight room, haven't got to that point, yeah. you know, everybody can't come in just like fishing. on, yeah, on hope mode like Quentin Nelson. Yeah, like that's a – people don't understand that's rare. When Quentin yeah. first came in, he's whooping, you know, Sheldon sometimes. He's getting with Knicks. You know, he's he's good. We haven't seen that since. But that tells you that that's just him. I mean, he's a pro bowler every year he's been in the leagues now. So right. even beyond college, he's doing his thing. We can't take him and be like, that's our standard for all of our other guys. Like, come on. No, he's one of one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's crazy that. We only saw one half, but Blake Fisher really was almost like, I don't want to say a linchpin because he was a freshman. He was a true freshman. But once he went out with injury, you start to see a lot more holes. On that yeah, offense. you just start noticing stuff. You're like, because he was at least something that you could depend on from the mindset, like, okay, we're good at left tackle. We're anchored at left tackle. We're anchored at left tackle. Have some mistakes, but I can I can close my eyes and trust more times than not he's gonna do his job. Right, more times than not on the third and seven, if we drop back five to seven yards, our guy is just gonna run around. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I'm comfortable with that. Now I don't have to keep two running backs in to help out the tackles. Now I can do a lot more stuff. So even though he's a true freshman. We've seen how that injury has negatively impacted the offensive line, and we can see how he just came in and snagged that job at left tackle. Because that's that's rare as well. Like, what we got a true freshman, and for him to for him to win it before camp's over, right? And that's saying like either we was hurting before and this was needed, right? Or it's like he's that good. I think it's a combination of both. I think it's a combination of both, <laughs> but I think. Jeff Quinn and Brian knew. They knew. They knew, yeah. They knew. They knew what this offensive line was before game one. And that's surprising that for us to feel like they know and to throw in a guy that's not mobile, it's just – and recruit a guy that's not mobile. It's just interesting because it sounded like Tyler would have been the perfect fit with a a new, fresh, you know, set of guys. He can learn with through the season. He can save their ass sometimes. Yeah. He can save his ass sometimes. Well, you know who would have been a perfect fit? A guy you can, you know, run the ball, power runs up the middle in between. Brandon Wimbush. Oh, what the other guy that's up in Boston College, too. Oh, oh, 
A guy that has a strong arm that can throw down the field. A guy that would be perfect fit right now, considering yeah. his strengths and our weaknesses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, he ain't going to sit around forever. He went to Boston College and said, hey, I can get drafted. Right. Wait on Ian forever. Like, I right. can perfectly capable. And I hear the Notre Dame fans out there, like, he really hasn't done anything. Uh, that's fine. Not enough to be a draft. If he was in this quarterback room, he would be the best quarterback in that room. By far. By far. So. Because he has intangibles. You know, you talk about intangibles, got stuff you can't put on a grade sheet. He's got enough swagger. He he plays pissed off. Yeah, and and that's better than the quarterbacks we got now. In terms, I mean, you know, Drew Pond got swagger, but it's hard to have swagger as a third quarterback. You know, for a team to rally behind enough. Yeah, and then Jack doesn't play pissed off. We talked about he plays. He plays the. He's gonna clap for the other guy that gets in. You know, he he's okay with being taken out and putting back in, taken out. He's a team player. That's not good enough for our offense. Considering we need a guy that's like, I got this. I'm pissed off. I'm trying to win. Let's let's run behind me or whatever. That's the that's what makes or breaks a Notre Dame offense. Yeah. Because all of our offense since Coach Kelly has been there is driven through the quarterback. If the quarterback is average, the offense is just going to be average. If the quarterback has got some intangibles, you're going to see that highlighted, and it's going to show throughout the season. When we were in there, we were running it because I could run, Deshaun could run a little bit. When we were throwing it, we were throwing it deep. I had a strong arm. We had Will. We had CJ. We had a bunch of guys to get downfield. So it fits, and you got to see how it looks. you like, man, we can, we can really do something. Right. But then it's all depending on the quarterback. We get in. We had a lot of talent around in. And Ian made enough plays. We had enough. I mean, we had EQ, Miles Boykin, Chase Claypool, and 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 Devin Studs or uh, Strut. How do you say? It? I forgot how you say his last name. But playmakers around him with a guy that can make some plays himself. And when you drop off the playmaking quarterback and you bring in another guy that's diametrically opposite in a lot of ways, what do you expect the offense to look like? It's going to reflect your quarterback, you know. So. What's our season look like? Up and down all year. But the other thing that's been up and down all year is our quarterback position, right? So it'll take it'll just take some decisiveness from Coach Kelly and the coaching staff. But yeah. And you week seven, so it ain't like you gotta. You can't really restart. You just gotta look at what you got and coach to that specifically. And that seems to be the issue. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Notre Dame. Even last week, they turned the game around with a big turnover. Mm-hmm. Same thing should happen. Last time we were up there against Virginia Tech, there was a big turnover that changed the game. Pick, uh, return a touchdown, touchdown return, and then, you know, I don't know if we have another 99-yard run in our pocket. <laughs> Dexter Williams is no longer on the roster. and This offensive line has not proven that they can block up on a one-yard line for a sweep and <laughs> we can break it. It sounds really sweet. I would love to see it. But just like any other game, we talk about it all the time. What's going to be the one thing that you take away or add to the flow of this game that's going to cho- totally change the direction and the outcome of this game? Yeah. Will it be another mistake by Brian Kelly as last week, you know, putting a true freshman in the middle of a scoreless game? Oh, in the first half and how that changed the tide it changed field position and next thing you know Cincinnati has control or will we see some more creativity some new things some reverses some quick screens it's yeah. gonna allow the playmakers of Notre Dame to be able to lead Notre Dame in that offense to more points can Notre Dame score 30 points on the road against Virginia Tech in that environment that would be very impressive if I get 30 points from this offense tonight, I'll be very impressed. Michael Mayer, dealing with the groin, as Brian Kelly said, the majority of the year, will he be available? He toughed it out last week. Oh, he yeah. it. I predicted he would have a big game because I thought Cincinnati would have the the cojones to say we can stick yeah, our Yeah, we can stick him ourselves. Yeah, I knew it. And I knew he would have plenty of opportunities. And if we had an offensive line and a quarterback that could be consistent, 
Michael Mayer would have had more than nine catches. Oh, yeah, he would have been good. He was wide open all day. And I think tonight he might be more of a decoy. Yeah, they're, they're definitely going to give him attention because I don't think they're, uh, Virginia Tech is as confident as Cincinnati. So they're going to do some bracket stuff, but they're going to play top down. They know yeah. that, unfortunately for our defense, they can't afford to have a bad game because it's going to be too highlighted if we don't score a lot of points, right? So Kyle Hamilton played great, but shoot, I mean, he's on the field 60, 70 snaps a game. He's going to give up something eventually because Cincinnati's a good team. We talked about that. They are a good yeah. team. Eventually he's going to get beat, and he got beat a couple of times. But as a defense, knowing that you can't score a lot of points, it's, it's, it, you got to play more perfect, which they're, they're getting better each week and which the defense has been saving us for years in that case because it's not the first year we've struggled scoring a lot of points. So that's just the thing that you got to take on as a defense going for Notre Dame. For these, I mean, Clark Lee dealt with it. You know, uh, all our, our Van Gorder dealt with it, but we also gave him a lot of points. So from a, a giving up points perspective, Marcus Freeman's done a great job considering the first game to now and everything that we've done. Cincinnati scored 24 points. That's that's a good game defensively, right? That's a good game defensively for a team yeah. like that. So each week the defense is getting better and harder to score against. Now we just got to bring our offense along, and we can still make a run. We go from one chess piece on the offensive side to the other chess piece that we have, and that is Kyle Hamilton. How do you implement him against the Hokies tonight? Man, if I'm Kyle Hamilton, I'm going for turnovers. I think this is the offense. He can he can try to make some plays, strip sack, take some chances on some on some jumping some routes. I think he plays more aggressive tonight. He should. I mean, this is a game where you know it'd be good overall for the defense to have some confidence, especially get some more points on the defense. And I think it's going to start with Kyle leading the charge, and everybody else will follow after that. Oh, you're on mute. You're on mute. Sorry about that. Kurt Heinrich gets, comes back. Mark Freeman gets his guy back, his uh, captain, in the middle of that defense, in the middle of the front. It's going to help. from a, The front has done very well. Yeah. So getting him back adds depth. And now, you know, Howard Cross can get a breather, make him stronger going into the third and fourth quarter and make him even more disruptive than he's been in the previous three games. I'm interested in seeing how much more trust, and we've talked about this, week by week, Cam Hart gets better. Yeah. So now how tempting is it for Marcus Freeman to start to feel like, yo, that half of the field is good. <laughs> well, that'll start when we stop giving up crazy explosive plays. So that, well, that has to happen first. But well, they went out. Cincinnati went out to Cam Hart early. Early, yeah. And once he made a couple of plays on deep passes, they were like, okay, let's find somebody else. That's right. And they focused on the other side of the field. So, you know, you have Cam Hart and then you have number 14 and you have those pieces. Do you become more aggressive? As you said before, the offensive line for Virginia Tech hasn't been that great. Yeah. Russian attack hasn't been that great. Trey Turner is a problem. They do have receivers that can be a problem. But they really – Braxton Burmeister really isn't a guy that's going to beat you deep. No, yeah, no. He's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a guy that we can get to, we can rattle. Yeah. And that's why I said we got to – I think this is a game we try to make more turnover points. Help our offense out. We did against Wisconsin, and that's a better <laughs> offense structurally. So for us, we can't let them do, you know, quick screens and swing passes all day and, right. and kill us to death with five, ten-yard, you know, pass plays just swinging us left and right all day. So being aggressive and jumping some stuff, and, you know, I, I feel like we're good enough against this team to, to be one-on-one and down the field. So – this is a chance to help our offense out. We know what we lack on the point a point efficiency side. So let's see. Cam Hart, they're going to – I mean, until teams stop game planning to go at Cam <laughs> and Cam consecutively shows that he can hold it down, I think they'll try him some of the time. Yeah. But by the end of the year, Cam Hart's going to be a guy. That's pretty uh, – yeah. <laughs> I pretty much agree with that. I think he's turning into a guy – 
right before our eyes. And we did a full segment right there on our YouTube channel before the season started. We asked the question, will Cam Hart be the next great defensive back at Notre Dame? We put it out there. We talked about how much faith we had in this kid. You know, the only problem we have, you're a wide receiver. When you get an interception, bro, we don't run out of bounds. Yeah, he ran the bounds like a two-minute drill. I'm like, no, you're on the defense. You got to go. Right. Yeah, score six. That's what we're trying to do. Yeah. Each and every week. Now, I'm interested, man. I'm so interested in seeing what you have to say each and every week, but especially this week. It's time for Balik's keys to a dub. Three <laughs> keys to a dub. He already gave you his clean sheet. Yeah. But Malik's keys to a dub. Man. Going into Lane Stadium, into Sandman, crowd raucous. Don't know who your quarterback's going to be. You're only a one-point favorite. Yeah. You don't know if you're going to have your tight end tonight. He's dealing with injury. A lot of questions. A lot of questions coming into this game. Offensive line has been struggling. What's the keys to a dub? First key to a dub is going to be our defense. Can we score points on the defensive side of football? If we can score points, maybe a pick six, a scoop six, and maybe two interceptions, I feel confident that we'll, we'll do really well. We'll have a 30-point-plus game, all of that. If our defense doesn't score points for us, I think it's going to come down to a last possession. So I really do believe for us, biggest key, can defense convert some of those turnovers into points? The second key is, can we score 21 before the half? If we can score 21 before the half, I feel good into a second half. We can wear on them in the run game. Can, we can go back to our basic stuff and make them play our game on offense and not get sped up by their defense. So 21 before the half, defense scores some points on their end. And the last thing is always in a tough environment is special teams. Chris Tyree, make something happen. Help spark our offense on that kick return, on a punt return. Get us, get us some good field position to lessen that crowd noise if we're going compared from going 80 yards to going 40 yards and going in. So special teams, give us some good field positions so we can work some short fields for offense. Can we score 21 points before the half? And can defense get us some defensive uh, some points um, in the game? Because if, if we can convert some interceptions in the pick sixes or some fumbles in the scoop sixes, we'll win, we'll win no doubt. No doubt in my mind. You're on mute again. Man, I'm tripping today. I'm gonna, <laughs> so sorry about that, fans. I'm going to give you a tip today, right? Stay away from this game if you like your money. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't okay. bet on it. If, if you uh, like your money, stay away from this game. Uh, <laughs> yo, Notre Dame's at minus 120 on the money line. Virginia Tech's at minus 110. It said before, in most sports books, Notre Dame is only a one-point favorite on the road. And the over-under is 47. We're like the Chiefs. We, we're hitting the under on a lot of things. We're hitting the under. So, yeah, that might be the best bet, the under <laughs> tonight, especially with both of these defenses. Like, if you're going to place your money on anything, place it on the under because Notre Dame has definitely been hitting the under in all of their games. Um, have no confidence playing against the spread. Yeah, none. No, no, do not play either team against the spread in this game. We don't play for Vegas. We play to just get out, squeak out these wins. We don't play to be like, oh, yeah, we're trying to hit the over. No, nah, that's not how we play. <laughs> I think the only game that I felt confident from a betting standpoint was the Wisconsin game. Yeah, I felt better against I Wisconsin. felt really confident. I was like, oh, okay, Wisconsin's coming into this game as a favorite? Yeah, give me those points. Yeah. I'll yeah. take that. And I'll take the over. And I'll take the – yeah, and I'll take the over. Yeah, because – but, you know – It'll just be interesting to see how we respond after a loss. You know, Coach Kelly is not accustomed to losing back-to-back -back games, so I know he's got a lot of vested interest in, in winning this one particularly. Yeah. And then this is going to set the precedent for how we hit that ACC schedule hard after this game because it doesn't get easier. All these teams are pretty much the same, but, you know, each team has something that, that, can, that can trip us up if we're not careful. So 
Notre Dame faces off against Virginia Tech. Those have been your three keys to a dub from Elite Zaire. Looking forward to this. We're going to see. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to this. I think we'll win, but I, you know, I wouldn't put my money on it. Yeah, USC coming up next week, then North Carolina. Yeah, these are not easy games. <laughs> no, I mean, they're they're easy teams, but we're not going to make it easy. Yeah, they're easy teams. They're easy league. teams, but we're not going to make it easy. Everything surrounding this program seems to be up in a flux right now. You will want at this point in the season to have more consistency and to know who you are. Uh, two weeks ago, after the Wisconsin game, Brian Kelly was adamant that he's learning who this team is. And I think more questions came up after the Cincinnati game. It started with him saying he wanted to execute the offense after the first game, and we won. We didn't even win last time at Florida State when, it, when we was down there. So, I don't know. He got to find some positive spots to, to harp on, <laughs> build the team confidence up. And then, I mean, you know, we deal with the same things every year, but you know the common denominator is the same person. That's how it is. This has been the Lucky Lefty Podcast preview show. Notre Dame versus Virginia Tech. We gave you the clean sheet for the game. We gave you both units going against the opposite unit and how they can prosper and come out with a victory. And then you gave we gave Malik's three keys to a dub. So that's how we do it here on the preview show. What's your prediction, my friend? Shoot, I got it a close one. <sighs> I would do 17-14 us. But if we hit that key to the game and score 21 points in the first half, yeah, that got us at 30 to 30 to 20. 30 to 20. This game for me swings on the leg of Jonathan Door. Oh, he and he's not it, bad. It, it, yeah, man. Look, I told you I don't like you know donating a lot of time on our shows to kickers. <laughs> he gotta I show up. Know, but you know, I'm gonna give him a little snippet right here. You gotta show up tonight, my man. You got to show up. I understand it's going to be a rockers environment. I don't care if it's from 55, 53, 46. Yeah, I don't care how long it's from. I don't from. care if it's from 19. I don't care where it's from. You have to show up. Get the pig skin in between the H. That's it. <laughs> the H, the U, whatever it is. Get it in between there. Get the points on the board. Yeah, yeah. like let that thing look wide open to you this week. Yeah, because those points are going to be golden tonight on the road. Like, we talk about needing touchdowns, and we need touchdowns tonight. I just feel like we won the game. Yeah, dude, because let's be honest, man. It was our defense and the Cincinnati kicker that kept us in the game. No, straight up. Kickers was, man. They really could have embarrassed us if the kicker wasn't on the Absolutely. So, Jonathan Doerr cannot miss field goals under 50 yards. Just can't. He has to make two or three tonight. I think he's going to get about two to three opportunities. They're going to be key. And that last opportunity might come as the clock hits zero. Yeah, no, straight up. So that's the type of game I expect. (laughs) Close game. Unless one of these coaches makes a big-time blunder. Oh, yeah. Changes the flow of the game and allows the team to jump out front and let their defense kind of take control of the game for the rest of the game. That's the only way I see this game being a 7 to 10, you know, point spread at the end. Other than that, I think, you know, when I did my prediction for other publications, I think one was 27-21 and I think the other one was like 24 to 20. So, I'm 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 leaning in that range. Notre Dame coming away with the win. I'll stick with 24 to 20, which would say go with the under. Yeah, hold on. So that's the best bet. <laughs> Notre Dame and the under. That's the best bet. That's the tip we can give you for tonight's game. All right. Don't don't take a chance losing your money on a uh, on a game that could go either way. Oh man, <laughs> this is not the game. Like I said, keep your keep your money in your pocket tonight, man. Yeah, yeah, Unless man. you just want to bet on Notre Dame. Unless you're just a serious Irish fan, with yeah. no matter what. Yeah. yeah. Some other interesting games before we get out of here. What do you think about this Penn State-Iowa game? I'm I'm intrigued by this game. I know it's a Big Ten slobber knocker, two good defenses. I got Iowa. Penn State are just a a front-running team, and they were front-running. You you really? Did did James Franklin do something to you, man? Look at them them every year. I'm impressed 
by anything Penn State has done this year. Listen, Penn State is always good in the beginning. They had Michael Parsons and was and was flopping out, you know. So I want to see when it get cold in Penn State. What is Sean Clifford going to do? I want to see when it's cold in Penn State. Can they win those tough games when it matters? Hey, it's not good when it's hot outside. I know yeah. one thing. I know one thing. I know Iowa leads the nation in interceptions, and their defense has been on swag. Iowa, Iowa is a team Kinnick, that you can count on in big games. Kinnick Stadium is going to be on fire. Liddy, they better not go man-to-man on Dotson. I know that. They're going to try. That I do know. They're going to try. Dotson's nice. I like Dotson. You better mix up the coverage. They're going to have Dotson try to try to streak down the middle of the field. That's that's the game plan for him. But Iowa is a team that doesn't lose the game themselves. Yeah. You have to beat Iowa. Penn State will lose it themselves. That's why I'm choosing Iowa. Georgia and Auburn. Auburn with a huge win on the road to Death Valley last week. Bo Nix came up with a couple of miracles, brought his team back in the fourth quarter. I'll, look, people. Trust me, if you want to make some money, take Georgia against the spread. (laughs) Let me tell you something, man. If you have, if you like watching defensive football, watch Georgia. Watch Georgia every week. We're not joking. Yeah, we're not joking. Like literally, you're watching one of the all-time college all-time defenses. All time. It's like the 2011 Alabama and game. It is well worth your Saturday viewing pleasure. It's entertaining. They got an entertaining Absolutely game. entertaining. Yeah. You know, you want to see the big plays on offense, touchdown. All big. If you want to watch all offense, watch Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah, watch Texas and Oklahoma. You watch watch Texas and Oklahoma today. But if you just want to watch a dominant defense. Where they scoring zero to seven points man, a game. Georgia, each and every week. And they're fun. I like oh, them. Man. Swag, fun, fast. And the line running 4 6. That's crazy. They got Kirby Smart and the, the threw them dollars around real nice. <laughs> <laughs> that NIL money's probably real sweet down there at Georgia, NIL too. Money real nice. Them pockets is happy and healthy over here. Yeah. So JT Daniels comes back for them. So their offense should be even more explosive. I think it's 15 and a half that they're giving up against Auburn. Take it. Take it. Auburn's not (laughs) – Auburn's not – too inconsistent on offense. Yeah. Yeah. And all that running around Bo Nix is going to get nixed. Yeah. guys are too fast, too aggressive. (laughs) Yeah. Bo Nix, if he tries to run around like he did against LSU, he might end up, you know, in traction at the hospital. Yeah. That's real talk. We'll have a real dirty jersey at the end of the game. All right. That's the Lucky Lefty Podcast, a preview show, Notre Dame versus Virginia Tech. We will be back tonight, post-game, post-game. to talk about a dub. I'm just going to put it out there in the atmosphere. Put it out, out there. Yeah. Be back to talk about a dub right here on the Lucky Lefty Podcast. As always, go Irish. Go Irish, baby. Hey, it's the lefties. We spin it different. Yes, sir.